0: We're going to be over in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Last time we took on the entire chapter uh, 2 and we looked at praying for people in authority and we looked at the role of women in the church. And so now we are off from that and we're on to to this one. And he's telling him here how to pick some leaders. He's dealing with some issues that he's facing as a a new overseer of the church, uh, a large church in Ephesus, a growing church. And he has some questions on how to, to handle some of these things. And so Paul's trying to help him out on, on some of this. But here he's going to be telling them how to find and pick leaders in the church. And these are leaders of all sorts. But he wants to give them the qualifications of it. And so we're going to go over this. I kind of thought we would cover the entire chapter 3 here tonight. But uh, we're not going to make it very far at all. <laughs> so uh, hopefully it's of interest to you. But we just wanted to review some some things in here. Because he will identify for them what is a good leader and how to find a good leader. Oh, I'll tell you what. If, if, in a good, if you could know what a good thing is before it actually became obvious, how much better would it be, be, be off if we could have picked a good stock before it became a good stock? <laughs> right? How much better would we have been if we have could, could have picked a good investment, a good home before it actually soared in value? Oh, we would be better off on that. Well, this is kind of what he's, he's helping them do here. How to pick a winner. Amen. <laughs> how to pick a winner. It's kind of, you know, if you were, if you were a horse racer or if you were whatever else, I don't know what all there is, car, whatever they bet on and those kind of things. If you were to go out there and to, and to pick a winner and uh, get one of those long shot ones, uh, you know, one need kind of a dark horse, you can't really see this one coming up and, oh, here it is. He's ten. This is, this is how you pick a winner. This is how you find the good ones. And it's kind of different from what we were, what a lot of us would think and probably what a lot of us have done over the years. <laughs> Sometimes we have picked some um, not-so-good things, not-so-good helpers to come alongside and help us out. But uh, as he's going to pick out these good things, these good leaders, one of the most obvious things comes to us is that there are obviously bad ones out there. If they were all good, you wouldn't need qualifications. You just, you just grab them and, and go. But understand this, that in the church, there are going to be some qualified and some unqualified. <laughs> Being born again does not qualify you. It sure helps. <laughs> Gets you in the ballpark, but it doesn't. it's not everything. And so there's going to be some born-again people in our lives that are not supposed to be uh, in, a, in a role that maybe we would want to elevate them into because we like them. Because we're friendly with them, or because we were able to strike up conversations with them. How many of you have learned to trust somebody based on the fact that you like them? And I uh, found out well, they, weren't that, they weren't that good. I was listening to uh, one of Willie George's podcasts, and he was talking about when he was uh, building the, the church building, and they were going through the first, one of the earlier phases of it, and uh, the, the guy who was running it for him in the church said, I'm going to bring you three contractors. And then you can interview them and, and pick the the three that you want. And so he interviewed them, and he was saying, you know, the two guys he got along with were real good in the interview process. They were real nice, real friendly, and he liked them. And the third guy was just all business. Hey, there was no warmth there. There was nothing going on at all. And he didn't really strike up any kind of conversation, any kind of a good vibe with him. So he didn't pick him. He was going to pick one of the other guys. Ended up that they didn't quite get to the place where they were ready for the the contractors that didn't do anything with, any, with all three of them, but the guy he said he was going to pick, he wouldn't have been the guy. <laughs> he said he, he had never done anything that big at all, and as they were going through some of the process, they found out he had never done anything this big, but the guy who was the least liked, all business, he would have been the best. He's already built some, uh, some big places, some big things, and everybody that he had talked to afterwards said, oh, it's the best, the best thing at all, best building we ever had. He just really knew his stuff and, and just got it done. But he wasn't real personable. Sometimes we look at the wrong qualifications when we move people up. And, uh, you know, you're going to run certain things. Being, uh, being friendly might be a good, good attribute to have in some places, but not always all the way around. Of course, we can all work on that. We should all be friendly. <laughs> That's just a good quality to have. But uh, not everybody has that. How do we recognize an imposter? How do we recognize somebody who is coming and understand in the church there are imposters. There are people who are in the church to undermine your faith. Some of them intentionally and some of them accidentally. But there are people, and Jesus warned about this. He said, you got to be careful because there are some people who enter into the sheepfold through another gate. <laughs> they get another way. They don't come in the right way. There are some people who come into the sheepfold who look like sheep, but they're not. They put the sheep clothes on. They look like they, they belong like, you know, kind of like, like uh, Esau and Jacob. You know, uh, Dad's uh, checking them out. We kind of it—it looks like it's Esau. It feels like it's Esau. It sounds doesn't sound like it's Esau, but it smells like it's Esau. I mean, he got—he got, he got uh, snookered. <laughs> Sometimes we can get snookered too, on this. Um, I put this in your outline here, and this first part we're just kind of reviewing something we had gone over before, and I'll give it to you here later on. But um, there are three things that God has put. For us, for help for us. First off, three things, three sources where we are going to find help. And glory to God, y'all know we need help in this life. <laughs> we we need help. Three sources. Now, I'm not counting the Word of God. The Word of God is, is certainly that. And I didn't, I didn't put that in there. Don't write that in there. I didn't put the Word of God. You can if you want to. But really, the Word of God is helped along by these three things that we have. First off is the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit, he comes along and he teaches us the Word of God. He's the revealer of truth. He helps us understand what's written in the Word of God. The second thing we see is angels. Some of y'all know angels are here to help us out. They're doing some things we don't always get to see. We saw them in the Old Testament doing some things. Uh, we got the, you know, the narrative of what they were doing in there in the Old Testament. And they're still around there today doing some things as well. Uh, but the Holy Spirit, angels, these are two sources. And the third source is people. These are three sources that God has given us to help. Now, all three of these, for each of these groups, there's an imposter. Doesn't the Word of God tell us, first off, test the spirits to see if they're of God? Because why? Impostors are going to come along. They're going to try and pass themselves off as the Holy Spirit. They're going to try and pass themselves off as being of the Spirit of God, but they're not. So you need to test them. You need to find out. Angels, are there not people who say to this day, they saw an angel, an angel came and gave them revelation. An angel came and told them these things, but you know what they said. That's not the Word of God. There's, there's no word of God in that. That's not helpful at all. No, there's some imposters in this area as well. And then thirdly, people. There are some people that are real and genuine that are going to come in your life and make a great help for you. And there are some people that are imposters. And they will draw off of you. They will pull off of you. They will take from you. They will get whatever they can. If they can't get any more, they'll move on to somebody else. Some of them do it with the intent to pull you down, and some of them do it because they're just greedy themselves, and they just want to take everything they can. It doesn't matter what the reason is. You lost stuff, and it's, it's not, not good. So God kind of wants to help us out with this thing so that we don't get pulled into these guys. There are three main identifiers here. First, if you want to find people that are imposters, there are three major identifiers that will pinpoint that these guys are not what they claim to be. The first one, they exalt themselves. They exalt themselves. What did Satan do when he fell? He tried to exalt himself, didn't he? How did he get Adam and Eve to fall in? What did, they, what did he try and get them to do? To exalt themselves. You can be as God. <laughs> See, this is the number one thing that you're going to find, that imposters are out to exalt themselves. And I'll tell you what, if you can get this down, you can can spot imposters real easy because here's their lingo. I, me, my, all the time, all the time out of their mouth. I, me, my, I did it, I did it, I did it. Hardly ever giving credit to people around them. They take the credit themselves to a point that you know if you listen for it you can get almost spiritually sick from it <laughs> cuz oh they're just obnoxious about it. It's like, "Yeah, nobody else helped you? <laughs> really? <laughs> you, you, you didn't get anybody else to come along and now this is what they're they're out to exalt themselves." They uh, my I told you before my grandfather used to always tell us, "If you don't blow your own horn, no one else will." <laughs> and you know there is a measure of truth to that, but <laughs> we don't need to go around blowing our horns. There's a uh, nothing worse than going on down the road and hearing this person behind you blowing their horn all the time. <laughs> you know, we don't like it there. <laughs> and we don't like it here either. Uh, they exalt themselves. They are out to exalt themselves. They will take credit for you. How many have ever had bosses or coworkers who take what you did, assign themselves to it to get credit for it? Why? Because they want to exalt themselves. That'll, that'll put the identifier on there, right there for you. No, at that point, this is not a person I should trust. You should not trust them. Now, don't, don't give them stuff. Don't, don't let the inside you know compassion come on you and say, well, I just need to help them out. I'll just give them a little bit. No, don't. They've identified themselves. They've identified who they are. Three main identifiers. They exalt themselves, number one. Second, they seek to include and exclude. They are constantly dividing. They're always out there trying to get this group on their side and this group against this group. They will do this on a consistent, regular basis. If you see people who seek to divide, that's not God. The Word of God says, blessed are the peacemakers. These are people who find ways to bring sides together, not find ways to divide them. This is not of God. If you find people that are out there to include this one and not include this, to get people to um, uh, covet what somebody else has, all that sort of stuff, that's a sign. They seek to include and exclude. And number three, they have hidden agendas. They will not be honest with what they want to accomplish. They will pass off their accomplishments as doing something that will benefit you, but their agenda is to benefit themselves. Now, I put this in note in there, and I wrote this in just so you had it. If you want to review all that, that's in the teaching. It's up online. I'm sure it is because we have four years like up on there, and uh, 2009 would be in, in that bracket. It would be August 23rd of 2009. It's on a Sunday. It's on the Sunday side if you want to go up there and get that. First uh, and First uh, Kings 1 and 2, I think, is where we were out of on, on that. But if you want to go through all that, that's up there for you. But just know these three main identifiers because he's not going to go over the qualifications of false people. He's going to go over the qualifications of who you're looking for. So these are the folks that you're not looking for. If you see people that exalt themselves, they include and exclude, and they have hidden, hidden agendas. All right, these are not people to be trusted. These are not people going after the things of God. Well, but, uh, I, I think I did have this in your outline. I think I had to pull it out. If there are those who come alongside of us to undermine our faith, our calling, and our goal, how can I identify those who are here to truly help? We are not looking for perfect people. Perfect people are not the ones that are going to help you because most people are not, in fact, all people are not perfect. So if people are going to help you, they're not, you're going to be helped by imperfect people. So we're not trying to find perfect ones. Thank God, because there'd be no way for us. <laughs> We'd all be out. We're not looking for perfect people. We're not looking for perfect attitudes. How many of y'all know I may have a good attitude here, here, and here, but i got a bad attitude over here. <laughs> We're not looking for perfect attitudes. If I, I can be a help to people even if I am not myself perfect, even if my attitude is not perfect. And number three, even if I don't have perfect abilities. We're not looking for perfect people, perfect attitudes, or perfect abilities. Uh, it'd be nice if we could find them, <laughs> but, but we're not always going to find them. That's not the thing that we need to look for. But too often, we'll get sidetracked, and we're trying to find perfect people. We're trying to find perfect attitudes. We're trying to find, all, and you're not necessarily going to find all that. We're looking for people who receive. One of the number one things is you've got to find in people that are going to help you is find people who receive. If you find people who do not receive from anyone, that person is not going to be able to help you because that person is only who they are. People who receive grow. People who don't receive don't. There needs to be people they receive from. You need to find that out. They need to be submitted to people, but they need to receive from some folks. People who all they get, all they talk about is what God told them, is what God did with them. They're not receiving people. You need to have people out there that are receiving because they understand that first off, I am not the be-all to end-all. I can grow. And I'm finding other people out there that are helping me grow. If they will receive from other people, then they're people that you ought to get from. It's kind of like the whole thing with the if you're going to go up to, a, to get a drink of water and you're out in, the wo- out in the woods somewhere. If you're going to go get a drink of water in the woods, in the wild, where do you want to go? Where there is running water. You do not want to take a drink of water where the water is still, where the water is stagnant, where the water has no in and no out. The clearest water, the best water, In the wild is water that has in and out. It's the same way with people. The freshest, the best stuff you're going to get is to get from people who receive and who give. They need to be people who receive. I talk to you very openly about people I listen to, people I hear, people I receive from. Because it's important that you know that I do. And I want you to know it's important that you do as well. We need to have people that we receive from. If you're going to find people that are going to help you out with this, look for people who receive. Number two, look for people that are humble. Look for people that are not out exalting themselves. Look for people that are humble. Look for people that are okay with doing some things but not getting credit for it. That's huge. There are some people who will get credit for what they don't do. You want to find the people who are willing to let other people have credit for what they did. They're humble. They don't care who gets the credit. They care that the job gets done because they're here to serve God. Two big things. People who receive, people who are humble. Number three, people who do not hide their desires. People who do not hide their desires. If you hide a desire, if you hide your objective... It's because you're embarrassed about it. It's because you know something in it is not right. It's because you know that if you divulge this to the person that you're trying to get something from, they may withhold it from you. And so you hold it back. Now you want people that can be honest with their, with their desires, with what their, their agenda is in there. Because everybody's got an agenda. There's a reason why they're, they're showing up. <laughs> to, to do something, what is it that they're going to get out of it? Are they going to get anything out of it? You should, you should find that out. Things work better when it's a two-way street, when I can receive and I can give. There are going to be some situations where I'm just going to give. There are going to be some situations where I'm going to receive. Both of those things are shorter-lived. The things that last the longest is where you give and receive. I think of yourself. Have you had friendships where you were always the giver? How long did those friendships last? How long did your desire go on that you wanted to be there? Did you have friendships where you were always on the receiving end? Even though you wanted to become on the giving end or just never could seem to get there? Did it last? Now, What are the ones that last? The friendships where you give and you receive. That's where it is. People who do not hide their desires. I'll let you know right off the bat what's, what's going on. People who are fair with everyone. This is big, folks. Oh, I'll tell you, what. find people that are fair with everyone. Not necessarily people that are lenient, not necessarily people that are strict, but find people that are fair. That's the most important thing. They're, they're not giving favoritism over here to this group, favoritism over here to this group favor over here to this one cuz i like them no they're fair what is the fair thing to do in this i think one of the best ways you can do this is to sit down with a person and watch a football game or a sports game you'll find out how fair that person is you know if, if you get a penalty for your team and you shouldn't have had that flag thrown and uh, your team got the advantage what's their what's their attitude on it Oh, yeah, that's good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, see, that's not fair. That's that's not good. That'll tell you some things about, about what's going on there with them. Now, we want people that are fair. And, uh, I remember uh, one time when I, I was a youth leader for a while, and I took over a youth group that was very unruly. In fact, uh, I think I told you the stories about it. This youth group was the topic of conversation for the digging board every time they met. For about half of their items of business was, was the stuff that the youth group did or didn't do or broke or whatever. They just were constantly being talked about by the deacon board. And then I came in and took it over, and it was no longer a conversation in the deacon board. And uh, you know we laid down some rules with them. We laid down some, some stuff with them. And my dad was giving one of the kids home, uh, kids there right home uh, to their, their place. And he was talking to my dad about youth group and about some of the things that are going on. And I don't know if he meant it as a compliment or not, but I sure took it as one. He was talking to, his, to my dad, and he said, "Yeah," he said, Steve, he is tough, but he's always fair. And I thought, oh, I like that. <laughs> I, and I did, I did actually like that. That was, that was good. I almost had a mutiny on, the, on my hands, though. Took over the youth group. We took them out to this place for overnight, and half the group rebelled because I, I gave them three pages of rules. Three typed pages of rules. And I laid out the penalty for breaking the rules. If you break it one, if you break any rule one time, this happens. Break it two times, this happens. Break it three times, you're on a bus, you're on home. Gave it to him. This is how it was. And somebody pushed me on it. Guess what they found out? I meant it. <laughs> and I did. And uh, I think I told you that story too. That person, that was just that blew me away. Because the first thing, if you broke a rule, any rule, what you had to do was you were chained to one of my counselors. That counselor was with you in the bathroom. You were, no matter where you went, that counselor was with you. If I ever found that counselor and they didn't know where you were, we, we moved to step number two. That's just how it was. And so this one person, it was a girl, she broke, she broke a bad rule. <laughs> she broke one of the rules that you know we really didn't want to have broken. And, um, and so... I, uh, I, I took her. She's in tears. She's crying. You know how much tears move me. <laughs> you can cry all you want to. It's not going to affect me at all. And so she's crying. She's teary. And she said, well, I said, this is the rules. And so uh, you are going to be changed. And I changed her too. It was a friend of hers. They were, they were good friends. And I said, she better know where you are at all times. If I ever find out that she doesn't know where you are, or you're not with an eye shot at her, we may just jump to rule number. We may just go right to number three put you on a bus and send you, send you home. Because we were away, so we were about you know, a number of hours away from home. So she's crying the whole time and just teary-eyed. And after I left, she said to the counselor, counselor told me about it later on, they said, uh, I wish my dad cared for me that way. Totally blew me. I did not expect that response. <laughs> I expected her to complain and, and fuss, but uh, that's what she had, she had wanted. You got to find folks that are fair that are willing to have the same rules for those that are their friends and those that are not. For those that they like and those they may not like so much. You need to be able to be willing to say it was a bad flag for the team that you don't like <laughs> as much as they wanted to be thrown for your team. That kind of a thing. You need to be, you need to be fair. Because see, this attitude moves over into other stuff. If you're fair with what I can see, more than likely you're going to be fair with what I can't. If you are unfair with what I can't see, more than likely, you're going to be unfair with what I don't. Four things on that. Again, you can go back to that teaching and you can uh, check out some of those things. Let's get into this one. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. How many have ever heard that phrase before? Not outside of First Timothy, though, have you? <laughs> but apparently it was a faithful saying for them folks uh, that uh that this would be said. But let's take a look at this. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. Well, the word here desire means to stretch oneself, i.e., reach out after, long for to covet after or desire. So get this idea. Think of yourself as a little kid, you know, about this tall. And the cookies were just made. And they're on the table. But they're just out of reach. You can't quite get them. So what do you do? Oh, well. I guess I'll just have them whenever mom decides to give me one. No, what do you do? <laughs> you, you, you stretch. You get on your tippy toes. You get everything out of your arm that you can get. If that's not enough, you go and you try and find something else to stand on. And uh, you'll stand on your tippy toes, standing on top of the stool. If that's not enough, you put the stool on top of something else. Put some books on top of the stool. And, you know, just keep building things up until you can get high enough and just get out there. And you are willing to stretch out and to get that. Why? Because I desire it. Because I want the thing. He says, and this is exactly what this word means, to stretch oneself, to reach out after, to long for, to covet after, or desire. The first thing that Paul tells Timothy to look for when he seeks out leaders is desire. That blows me away. The first thing he says is find people who want it. I don't know that I, I, if I'm making this list and I'm going to, I don't know that I'm making this the first thing because there's some bad people out there who desire it too, (laughs) Isn't don't you all know some some bad people who desire some things too? But he, this is the first thing he says. This is the faithful saying, if a man desires a position of a bishop, he desires a good thing. So the first thing we're going to go over here is they got to want it. They have got to have a desire. Now, I'm going to jump ahead here for you just so we don't lose anybody on this. You're thinking, well, Bishop, I don't want to be a bishop. You know, we think, how many of you think of being a bishop? You know, i got the guy in the robe and the chains and the hat and the all the different stuff going on and, you know, going around just being real quiet and always has his hands folded or something, whatever. We got these images of bishops. I don't want to be one of those. Well, that's not exactly what he's saying here. The word here for bishop is a compound word that means, let's just jump on down on the outline here. We'll go a little bit ahead of ourselves. It means epi, which is over, and skopos, which means to look or to watch. Combined, it means one who is to watch over or to have oversight. So we think of this word bishop and we think of the position of bishop in a church who oversees pastors and such things like that. But really what he says, he is saying here is if anyone desires to be in a position of an overseer. So what's an overseer? Someone who oversees others. Some, some, it's a, and you could use the same term as a manager, supervisor, someone who oversees others. He says, first off, find somebody who wants it. <laughs> How many of have ever been in a place where, I don't want to do anything with people. <laughs> I'm tired of people. <laughs> people are the source of my problems. <laughs> I don't want to oversee people. I want people to leave me alone. And we can get there. So what he's saying is, first all, you got to find people who want it. <laughs> because, you know, people can drive you nuts. I've heard it said often, you probably have heard it said too, the church would be a wonderful place if it wasn't for people. <laughs> and I don't know why God loves people, but he does. He does. Sometimes, you know, we meet some people and we say, dear Lord. <laughs> why? And then you meet other people and you say, oh, I see. I see. Yeah. I can get it. So we'll get on back here about to our, our bishop. Let's go on back over here. Just wanted to make sure we clarified that because you're all thinking, I don't I don't want to be a bishop. <laughs> and neither do I. I heard somebody who uh, was talking about the position of bishop, the actual position of bishop, which is a position to oversee pastors. And they said, uh, being a bishop is kind of like herding cats. <laughs> herding cats. Yeah. You all know what that's like. You know, cats... Uh, <laughs> They don't want to be herded. It is not a pretty picture. And that's kind of what they're, uh, they're up to. But you know, it's a very graphic picture. you get a real good idea what's, what's up there. So the first thing that Paul tells Timothy to look for, seek out a leader, is desire. Not talent or ability. Not talent or ability. That's kind of like if you were going to pick players for your NBA basketball team. You wouldn't go after the people that are seven foot. You wouldn't go after the people that had all the dribbling ability. You wouldn't have go after the people that had all the shooting ability. you go after people who want to play. And want to play the way that you want to play. Who have some desire. Who have some intensity about them. Because you can shape some of that. Not talent or ability. Over all the other qualifications, the first, they have to want to be a leader in a strong way. Now, God does not choose people without passion, but he carefully observes through life situations, tests, trials, and such, what we are willing to stretch for and what our attitude is through it. When you are going through life situations, you're going through the storms of life, that, not, to go, not things that God sends to you, just storms that come up, test trials. Understand, tests, tests come from God he wants to see what you're made of. He wants to give you the chance to prove yourself just like a teacher would give you a test so you can advance beyond that grade and move on to the next one. But trials come from the enemy. He's trying to tr- put your faith under trial and, and squash it and get rid of it. But, uh, and God watches how we do that through the tests that he gives us, through the trials that the enemy sends our way. He is watching us. He is looking. What happens to us? What do you do? And he's, what he wants to see is, when you are in those tough situations, do you desire? Is your desire so strong that even with all this opposition, you still stretch for it? You still go after it? Or do you recoil? Do you pull back? You say, ah, I don't know. What happens to a, what's the name that they put on a football player who, when he goes to catch the ball, uses his short arms? Alligator arms. Alligator arms. Why? He's using his short arms so he doesn't get hurt. He's decided he has hit a spot where you know what? <laughs> I don't want to reach for this anymore. I don't want to go that way anymore. God is looking through all this stuff. He's saying, who's got the desire? Who, who, who's got the the one-two? I want to go over some other places where this word is used. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, for the love of money is a... Is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I want to read it to you in the New Century Version. The love of money causes all kinds of evil. Some people have left the faith because they want to get more money. But they have caused themselves much sorrow. So some people have followed after God, but because they decided to stretch for the money instead of stretching for God... God says, I see what you're made of. I see what you're made of. You're not made of the stuff I need. That's not what I need in my leaders. I need people that will stretch and go after helping people. Even though people have kind of put them through it. I need people who will stretch and do what I'm asking them to do. Even though the enemy is making it hard. That's what I need. These are the people I'm looking for. Not necessarily ability, talent, all that other stuff. We're now we're looking for, for this. The love of money causes all kinds of evils. Some people have left the faith because they wanted to get more money. Can't make it much more plain than that, can you? Hebrews 11. We're going to go all the way back to verse 12. Only one verse has this word in it. But we're going to go all the way back to verse 12. Because you kind of need to context, no. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky and the multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. You know who that man is? Mm-hmm. Abraham. Thus all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed them, or confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly, that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. Now, verse 16. But now they desire, there's our word, a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he was He has prepared a city for them. But they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. They decided to stretch for something else. Verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, who had received the promises, offered up his own begotten son. And we then go on into Hebrews, where we are talking about people who were tested. Abraham was tested. He was saying, here's what what is out there for you. Now, I need you to stretch. I need to see how much you want this. I'm going to ask you to sacrifice your son, your only son, the one you love. I'm going to ask you to put him on the altar and kill him. I'm going to ask you to stretch right now, Abraham. Are you willing to stretch? Are you willing to trust me? I need to know. And Abraham said, you know what? Let's go. Got the knife, got the altar, got the wood. (laughs) We are ready to go, and he was ready to go, and he and God stopped him and said, "No, no, 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 <laughs> don't, don't. I just need to know that you're willing. I needed to know that you would do it. So, since you were willing, I can be, I can use that as an open door, and I can send you my son, and I am willing to see him die in order to win all." He he was called to stretch. As soon as he uses this word, he immediately talks about examples where people are called to stretch. God wants to see. What you really desire. What do you really want? He says, first off, the thing you need to look for here, when you are setting out to look for some leaders, is that you need to look around and you need to find some people who are willing to stretch to serve people, who are willing to stretch to help people, who are willing to stretch To do what I've called them to do. That's what you need to find. First and foremost, before we get into all the other qualifications, you need to find people that desire this. That want it. To desire this position means the person must be willing to stretch for And I put three things here for you. First off, loving God by loving people. You need to stretch sometimes in doing that. When we are going to love God, how do we love God? By loving his people. This is how we know that we love God when we love others. We need to walk in a loving way towards other people because then the love of God is in us. The love of God in us causes us to act in a loving way towards other people. So loving God by loving people. Number two, serving God by serving people. We can start off this way. We can start off right. We are serving God by serving people, but eventually, for some people anyway, it switches and we begin to serve people. No, you serve God by serving people. But as soon as we can get that to switch, the devil is always at us. He's trying to get us to switch and see us as serving people. Then when people let you down, what's he want you to do? Stop serving people. Stop serving people. There's, you, don't, you don't need to serve those people. Look how those people treated you. You want to serve them? <laughs> Come on. Let's get real. We don't need to do that. See, if He can make you do the switch, if He can stop you from serving God by serving people and get you to just serve people, He can get you to stop serving people altogether. Same thing with love. We love God by loving others. If He can get you to just focus on loving others and then other people act in an unbecoming way to you, why are you going to love them people? Look how they did to you. Look how they treated you. I'm not going to love them anymore. I'm going to go find myself a deserted place and hide away from all these people. They don't need me. They don't want me. I'm going to go dig a hole and eat some worms. I don't know why they always say that. But, <laughs> but you love God by loving people. Always got to keep Father God. I am loving these people because that's how I love you. That's how I show that I love you. I'm going to serve these people because that's how I serve you. Respecting God by respecting people. Don't be telling me how much you respect God and disrespect his people. Disrespect his offices. Don't be telling me that you can do that. You respect God by respecting people. And you can probably add some more things to the list. I just put three of them in there for you. The process screens out those who would love, serve, and or respect themselves... The process screens out those who would love, serve, and or respect themselves over others at some point when pressure is applied. In other words, when pressure is applied, who are the people who still love God by loving others? When the pressure is applied, who are the people that still love or serve God by serving others? When their pressure is applied, who are the people who still respect God by respecting others? As soon as people act disrespectfully to us, our flesh says, "Well, I'm not going to respect you, but that's not what we're supposed to do. See this process we're, we're screening some folks out. In order, if you're going to desire to do the thing, then you're going to do some things that you don't want to do. You know that you look at people in the military. Why is it that some people in the military desire to be special forces? they got to do more. they got to work harder they got to risk their lives more. Why? Why would they want to do that? And you would think that if you had people who were just willing to become special forces, that you got a group of people there. Let's just take these folks and let's just take all of them. But they don't, do they? Special forces have special camps. And in those special camps, what do they try and do? Weed them out. They may start out with 100. They may only want to get five. You're going to screen out most of the people who said, "I want to be in the, I want to be in this tough group. I want to be able to be one of these ones who gets up early and stays up late and runs further and works harder and does more um, stuff." And but just because they stated that desire doesn't mean that they're of the fortitude to do it, does it? So what do they do? They put them through all kinds of stuff. They put them through things to make them cold, put them through things to make them sweat, put them through things to make them weak, put them through things to make them tired. And they see when you are weak, when you are tired, when you are cold, when you are sweaty, who still wants it? Who still desires? Who still wants it? And out of that, you weed out some people, don't you? We're kind of going through boot camp. God's looking around. Who wants wants to go after this? Who really wants to become something in the kingdom of God? Anybody? Well, I'm too old. No, you're not. Well, I'm too young. No, you're not. (laughs) Joseph was pretty young. Moses was pretty old when he got started. But he wasn't ready until he was old. Some people were ready earlier. Samuel was ready real early. Age doesn't make any difference. It's your desire. Do you want it? Do you desire, above all things, to serve God, to love God, to honor Him, to respect Him? Well, put this question in your outline for you. What are you overseeing right now? Look around. What do you, what do you have to oversee? Yeah, I don't really have anything at all. I'm, over, I'm just kind of I'm waiting for somebody to give me something. No, it's not right. You got stuff to oversee. Maybe it's uh, one or two people that are in your life that you're there to help. Well, you're an overseer of those one or two people. Maybe it's a particular ministry. Well, it's not really involving people. It's just it's stuff. Just you know, I'm supposed to watch over this and make sure this happens. And No. Put your, put your all into it. And, and this is where your desire is, is, is... This is where God looks at your desire. Do you have the desire... That no matter what other people think about that ministry, that you value it. I remember Keith Moore telling us the story. He was uh, visiting a church and um, uh, he, he came on in and there was a gentleman who was standing there in the hallway and he goes, um, did, did you notice the bathrooms? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, I happen to have been in there and boy, they're real clean. He goes, that's my job. Oh, he had—he was proud of that. Of the, He—he he, took—he took pride. Those—those those bathrooms are going to be spotless. And he kind of was almost standing on guard there to make sure that anybody went in there and messed it up. He's going to get in there and clean it up because that was a reflection on him. What's that? What's that guy showing about his desire? What did—what uh, did Joseph? Joseph had a desire to be a leader. Was that desire put under test while he was a servant, a slave? A prisoner treated unfairly, accused wrongly was it was it put under pressure? Do you want this? Abraham, do you want to be a father of many nations? Look at the pressure he was under. No kids for years, no kids. Do you really want this? yeah, 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 oh, I want this with everything in me. I want this. This is what we have to get. What are you ever seeing right now? What is it that you're doing that you can show show God? Look, here's my desire. I'm showing you desire over the few things I have. And God says, you know what? You have shown great desire over a few things. I'm going to give you some more. Here's some more things. And then some more. And then some more. As you do it, are you fulfilling your desire or God's? What's God's desire for that thing? I don't know. You need to find out what is God's desire for the thing that you're over. The thing that you're watching over. And you make sure that you put your desire for the thing down. And you go after God's desire. Father, what is it that you want out of this thing? How do you want this to come about? When you're serving under another person, can you get yourself out of the way? That's a hard thing to do. But I want to do it this way. I don't like doing it that way. you got to get yourself out of the way. You've got a desire to do the thing the way that that person wants you to do it. you got to learn it. That's a hard one to learn. Of all the things to feed... In other words, cause to grow. What is the one that will influence my position in the kingdom of God the most? It seems like it's desire. You remember when Jesus was teaching the disciples? They were arguing who is the greatest. And Jesus taught them, don't desire to be the greatest. Right? No. (laughs) He didn't teach them that, did he? He taught them how. If you desire to be great, do it this way. If you desire to be great, you've got to become servant of all. If you really want to become the greatest in the kingdom, you've got to become the servant of everybody in the kingdom. That's how you do it. You don't teach somebody how to do a thing if you don't want them to do it. Unless you're the government. Government always does that. But that's not God. God doesn't want to do it in that way. He, he wants to teach you how to do what He wants you to do. The number one thing we need to do here, number one thing we need to feed, I've got to feed my desire to serve God, to love God. I've got to find things out there that are going to help me feed that desire. How many of you all know that there have been times in your life when your desire to do what God has called you to do has waned? Your desire has gone down. I really want this as much as i wanted it before. Oh, man. I don't, I don't like this. I've talked to you a lot. My, one of my greatest loves in my entire life is running. But I've got to tell you, there are some days I did not want to run. There are days that I would wake up and I knew it was going to be a bad day. And I know inside myself, I did not want to put running stuff on. And go out most of the time. The, but the only thing that discourages me from running is extreme cold, wind, and precipitation. All combined, it can be as hot as fire out there. That's not going to discourage me. But boy, when you get those days, I still remember the one day. The one day that I learned this lesson, and I had, to, I had to face that challenge up at King's College. We were up in the seventh floor. We had made the bet with my buddy, first person to put. Pants on, loses. We had to run in shorts all winter long. And I heard that wind rustling around the corner. And I knew that the the wind chill factor was minus 36. The temperature was cold. It was uh, right around zero. I think it was a little bit below. I did not want to go out and run. There was nothing in me that wanted to go out and run. I had no desire for it. I had every bit of desire to stay home. (laughs) Every bit of desire to stay home. But I said, I'm not going to do it because I am not going to that lunch table and facing my buddy. And he says, did you run today? And I said, no. Because you start giving in now and then you'll give in tomorrow. And then you'll give in the day after that. And you'll give in the day after that. So I put my stuff on and I went out in that nasty weather and I had one of the most unenjoyable runs I have ever had in my entire life. I did not enjoy the first step. I didn't enjoy the second step. I didn't enjoy any step. I didn't enjoy any mileage in the thing at all. There was nothing. I didn't get any benefit out of it. I finished the run and I got home and I got changed and nothing good came from it at all, except I did it. <laughs> That's it. I did. Now, he did it too. We, nobody, nobody won anything. We didn't lose anything. anything, didn't win anything. But you see, there are going to be days that things are going to come against you and they're going to try and pull that desire down. And it's going to try and get you to say, you don't, re- you don't really want to love people today. You don't really want to serve people today. Come on, just put it on the back burner, just for today. You're wore out. People have treated you poorly. People don't respect you. People aren't... Oh, it just starts like that. And then once you do it the one day, what happens the next day? It becomes that much easier. And then a little bit more. You, how many of y'all know people that used to serve God with everything they had and are now not even going to church. Not even in church. It's amazing where we can get to. When Jesus picked the 12, he picked them after a night of prayer. And when he picked Judas, do you think he picked somebody? You know what? I need to pick somebody who's going to betray me. Who's the most vile person out there I can get for this thing? Now, when he picked Judas, how I many of you know Judas had to be, at one point, Enthusiastic glad but then as time went on and we saw the big incident that the word of god makes this the big stink of you know when the anointing and all that uh, uh mary came in with the the um, real expensive ointment year's wage pours it out on his feet and what does Judas say why was this not sold and the money given to the poor because he was dipping out of the out of the till He became more concerned with the money that came to him than what was going on for the kingdom. But you know, he didn't start off that way. He didn't start off like that. But over time, the true desires came out. Where are your desires? Are your desires to serve God, to serve his kingdom, greater than the things that come against you. Are your desires to serve God, to serve His kingdom, greater than the mundane parts of doing over and over and over and over? Because you know what? We keep doing the same thing over and over. We keep ministering and ministering and ministering. It can get old after a while. Man, I'm kind of tired. I've been doing the same thing. Is that your call? Is that what you're supposed to do? Is your desire to serve God Greater than what you're facing in life, or have you waned in your attitude and your time? First thing Paul says to Timothy: He who desires to be an overseer desires a good thing. It's a good thing to desire it. It's a good thing that you want to do it. It's a good thing that you desire a good work like this but just because you have the desire it doesn't mean that things are not going to come against you how many of y'all had desires to eat healthy healthier how many of y'all had a desire to stay out of the fast food places how many of y'all had a desire to get up earlier watch less tv whatever it is we have a desire but just because we have a desire doesn't mean that the desire will overcome. What Paul is saying here is you watch the people who desire the thing and overcome all the stuff that tries to put the fire of that desire out. You look at the Michael Phelps. You look at the, I don't know the names of the gymnastics, the girls who do the gymnastics, some of those. Oh, man. How many times they're up at 4 o'clock in the morning Michael Phelps talks about jumping in the pool and swimming laps before breakfast and then having breakfast and then swimming more laps and then lunch and then swimming more laps. How many times those girls are on the beams and, and doing stuff that causes pain are always pushing themselves. Why? Because they have a desire. They have a desire that they carried for 10, 12 years and no things to show for it no gold medals but always looking I'm gonna go to the Olympics I'm gonna compete I'm gonna win there's a whole lot of things that came across their path to put that desire out try and put that fire for that thing out how many people did it work the fire went out we don't hear about them there's a whole lot more people who were jumping in the pool five o'clock in the morning with michael phelps and not everybody stayed with it it's a whole lot of people who dropped out so a whole lot of people who started out when they were five six years old and gym in the gym working out in the balance beams and all the different things but those numbers got to be fewer when they're up at 10 11 12 began to see how much it would cost jesus said how many of you before you build a, a wall or a house or uh, take on a campaign in war, don't count the cost first to see if you have enough to finish it. Because you're going to be embarrassed if you don't finish it. Understand, desiring to oversee anything in the kingdom of God is a good thing. But there's a whole lot of things that want to come against you. Who are the people that are going to rise above the waters that try and put your fire out? Those are the people. God says, that's your pool. Before we get in any qualifications, that's the pool of people you look at. Who desires? Whose desire is greater than the opposition against them? Who is still stretching and reaching even though it looks like they can't quite make it? Who still wants that cookie? (laughs) Who wants it? Do you want it? Do you really want to serve God? Do you want to serve him more than anything else? Are you willing to keep stretching and to keep going? Are the ones that God's looking for? Are the ones that Paul says, Timothy, there's your pool. This is your group right here. Look at these guys. Forget everybody else. You start here with this. Now, let's get into the qualifications. We're not qualifying everybody. We're qualifying this group. The ones who want it. Father, I thank you for the help that you give us. We want to be counted amongst those who want it. We want to be counted amongst those who desire a good thing. There are many things in this life, in this world, that we've desired and we've gone after, and some successfully and some unsuccessfully, but this surpasses all of them. This is better than a gold medal. This is going to get us a crown in the end crown that we can present before our Father God and say, I achieved this crown in the world, serving you. Here it is. (laughs) Oh, that's going to be a good day. We've got to keep our eyes focused on that prize. No matter what discouraging things come against us, we always remember we love God by loving other people. We serve God By serving other people, we respect God. By respecting other people. For what we do to the least of these, your brethren, we've done it unto you. Help us, Father. Stay mindful of the prize and to feed the desire to press on. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.